electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. How far is far enough for tumbling tech? We asked the committee which mega cap stocks to add to, which to avoid for now as that sector shakes out yet again. Joining me for the hour, Josh Brown, Shannon Sakosha, Kerry Firestone, and Jim Labenthal. Let's check the markets. We do have some buying going on. The Dow is in the green today. The S&P is as well. So is the Russell. And we have had some buying in the Nasdaq, which did go positive. It's hanging on as a fractional loser right now, but we're watching that closely. So, Jim, I turn to you first because we've been watching the Nasdaq lower for four straight days coming into today. You have to believe the buyers are going to come out at some point. Maybe they're starting to nibble on a few stocks here and there, but we haven't seen you since the start of the new year. What's your view here as we uh, enter 2024 trading? Well, my view, and I, I certainly watch the first days of the show. I watch every time I'm not on. But uh, my view is that this is hardly unexpected, right? I mean, we knew that there at least were a lot of taxable investors who didn't want to sell in December. They're winners. They pushed off till this year so they could pay their taxes in April of 2025. So this pent-up selling in the first two days uh, of the new year is not all that surprising. In terms of worrying, is this the start of something you know disastrous? I really don't see it. I mean, we can quibble, and I'm sure we will about the valuation on some of these stocks. But that's not something, I mean, the valuation of Apple, what, 28 times forward earnings? Okay, maybe it goes to 25, maybe it goes down 10%. That's not a disaster. And let me let me summarize this by saying, if you want the sorts of returns that you get in the NVIDIAs, by the way, trading at 23 times forward earnings, for a stock that's growing its earnings at what, like 50% a year? But if you want the sort of returns that you get from an NVIDIA, from an Apple, all these sorts of names, you've got to take the volatility that comes with it. And that volatility volatility can quite often produce downdrafts of 10, 15, 20 percent. You can't get psyched out when that happens. And this downdraft last couple of days, it just doesn't feel that bad for the sort of returns these generate. I want to know what your view is, Kerry, on these stocks in particular. You know, they're the most widely held. They're the most bankable names. They have been for investors. They care about them seemingly more than they care about a lot of other names, Um, at least for the moment, because you know, watching the shakeout of that has been a little unnerving and trying to wonder when the buyers are, are, are going to come in. So Tony Pascarello, Goldman Sachs, right? I cite yeah. him a lot. And I cited him yesterday afternoon when this note dropped. But I just want to reiterate some of the comments that he made regarding mega caps and tech. The stocks are not cheap. They're widely held. So one should be a little choosy on adding length up here. Bigger picture, however, I'm inclined to keep my eye on the ball and would look to add on meaningful dips. Well, we've had some dips to start the year here. What do you think about that? 
Okay, so if we look at what amount they've gone down, we could say 5% on average is what the mega caps have, have gone down. That's close to $500 billion of value that has to be replaced. Well, it wasn't replaced and that the market did fall off. If we see a little strengthening here, if the market comes back over the next few days, then we have recovered and replaced that amount of selling by buying, which I think would be meaningful. And I, I take it as a positive for the overall interest of investors into buying other names. Remember, there are 493 other names in the S&P 500, plus there are a lot of mid-caps and small-cap names that aren't in it at all. So I, I think that he's overstating to the extent that these stocks are not very expensive. They're, uh, you know, they're basically well, they're not, market you can't multiples. Make, they are? Well, Mega-caps? Well, Google is, Meta is, Amazon on next year's earnings, I'm looking at next year, is 30 times. It has never been 30 times. This is the first time ever since it went public that Amazon is trading with a three in the multiple, and it could go to a two if, if earnings start to uh, pick up. The one that's expensive, I guess, would be yeah, Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft is in the 30s, but is that very expensive for the leading AI company? And Apple is coins, and we're underweight Apple, and we're underweight Microsoft. But the others, well, I, I don't think. You would admit that. I, do you think, you think those valuations are too rich? I mean, they're, they're both above their 10-year historical average. Yeah, but the market is is selling for 20 times earnings. So I don't have a problem with people taking some profits ever. I mean, if you have a group that's up 75% on average for the year, and, you know, Amazon up 83%, Meta up 200, NVIDIA 235, you know, go through the list. Why would anyone have a problem with taking some profits? I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, but, you know, Josh, it's the, the hardest thing with these stocks is knowing when to get out and when to get in. That's why, you know, you've had, you know, people say, don't, don't trade them, own them. But yet from a technical standpoint today, I've got Roth MKM suggesting we recommend taking profits in Amazon. Respective charts have become very stretched above trend and poised for a pullback. So you own that stock. They say many names are now stretched and at risk of experiencing a deeper pullback. They find some opportunities they've added to Microsoft. Alphabet and Meta, two of our existing holdings, remain firm in trend but tactically appear ready to pull back. So how do you assess this? Well, I think you just said the key word in the last sentence of what you were quoting, tactically. So you have to ask yourself, first of all, do you even know what you're doing in the market? Do you know if you're an investor or a trader? MKM is institutional research that's geared toward hedge funds and other more tactical traders. And they are actually trying to outperform the market on, a, on a, a reasonable basis, and they are trying to do things in the short term that over the long term will be additive uh, versus just buy and hold. Most people are not trying to do that. And most people who are in Amazon, they're in it understanding that there are going to be quarters where the stock underperforms and quarters where it outperforms, but it's really hard to know in advance which is which, when is when, and they don't want to take the risk of missing out. And every time you read somebody say something like, Tactically, this chart is stretched and maybe it's a good time to take a profit. Every time, you need to ask yourself, what if this doesn't apply to me? And what if the bigger risk for me is being out and they're wrong? So maybe the chart is stretched and it gets more stretched. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe it's stretched, it pulls back, I'm busy at a dentist appointment when it bottoms, I don't get back in, and then the thing adds 15%. So you have to know if you're a trader or an investor. It doesn't invalidate what they're saying. 
it invalidates what they're saying for me because I don't care. Hey, but you can be, <laughs> but you can be an investor and still, you know, have a debate over whether you want to get more invested in some of these names. Oh, I, I agree. Guess I, pose that, I, I agree. That. And I guess I pose this question, Josh, in the context of. Last year, it was easy just to buy them all, right? You just buy the, buy the Qs, you buy, the, buy the, the seven names or whatever, and, and, and you did well. I'm trying to play off of Tony's choosy word, right? He uses that word, choosy. So if you're going to be more choosy this year, because maybe you have to be, and they're not all going to trade in tandem, which ones do you lean into, and which ones do you say, you know what, Apple just got hit with its second downgrade this week? Piper cuts it to neutral. Yeah. You have some concerns about that stock, technically speaking, fundamentally, revenue growth, et cetera. Do you need to be more choosy, I guess is my question. Yeah, so I think if you were to force rank all of the Magnificent Seven and ask yourself, like, what is the setup for each of these? The first question probably wouldn't just be valuation or price action. It would be what industry group uh, is this company really in? Because they're not all quote unquote tech stocks, by which I mean, a lot of the growth that you're going to see coming from Amazon, even though it's considered consumer discretionary, is going to be cloud, which is obviously a tech business, and advertising and media. Like, that's where the growth is coming from. Uh, obviously, with Alphabet, it's, it's a rebound in, in uh, advertising that you need to see take place, even though they are in other businesses. So I think you, you should not look at these companies and just say, oh, Mag7, bullish or bearish. I do think that that's right. You can delineate between what, where is this company really going to get its growth from this year. When you do that, in my personal opinion, I think Alphabet and Amazon are the two best setups in the group. Doesn't mean I want to sell my Apple. It just means, to your point, there are some areas that you'd rather lean into than others. So I think that's totally fair, and I do think that that is what most investors are starting this year out trying to, to do. They're saying, okay, I got 50% out of the queues last year. Is it likely that I'll get 50% out of the queues this year? Probably not. I mean, it could happen. Nobody thought it was likely last year either, but probably not. It doesn't repeat. So if it's not going to repeat, but I still want exposure to tech, what are the themes? What are the industries? Where do I want to place my bets? Mm -hmm. I think that's totally a reasonable way to proceed. Shan, happy new year to you. Good to see you as well. Um, what's your assessment of this market? You know, a couple of rocky days trying to get some buying going today. Well, I mean, I think uh, there's been multiple folks here who talked about valuations. And Scott, I mean, people only start to question valuations when stocks sell off, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, we were talking in the in the fourth quarter about valuations on these magnificent seven stocks. And, you know, we stated that we felt that they were vulnerable to multiple, not only multiple compression, but also just kind of a switch in momentum. And I think we've seen that in the short term. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with Jim. I don't think this is setting up as a play for, you know, all seven of these stocks to sell off meaningfully. Um, but I think Carrie made a great point in that when you think about what is this dispersion that we're looking at, the reason that Apple is selling off this week is not just on tax law selling. It's about questions about the fundamentals. And so if you look at each of these stocks and you think about, for instance, as Josh mentioned, 
advertising. Is this the best way to play advertising from your perspective in this environment? Or are there names outside of Alphabet that you could potentially harness to put in your portfolio for exposure? The other thing that I want to drive home and that you really want to think about is there's a lot of people that are talking about, and we talked about this in our Solving for 2024 piece, the opportunity to start to buy some of those laggards. Just because you're buying outside of the S&P 500 or buying outside of these seven names doesn't necessarily imply that large caps are going to underperform here in the U.S. or that even some of these stocks that have performed well last year can't replicate that a la NVIDIA. Like you, you can't say that there's a binary decision here because, Scott, there is money that needs to come off the sidelines. Cash rates are coming down. Short-term yields are coming down. Whether that goes into short-duration bonds or back into some of these underloved parts of the equity market that didn't participate, that's really where we start to kind of fill this gap, if you will, on tax-less selling and some of this fundamental dispersion that we're seeing in the MAG-7 right now. How do you want to... Yeah, back to you, Shannon. No, I I think that what Shannon said is so true. There is still money coming in off the sidelines, and you've got a lot of names to look for. This is a year that we can't just rely on five or six names to boost your portfolio so you can beat the S&P. You're going to have to work harder, and that means digging into what's working and what isn't going to work for these companies in a slowing environment where there's some growth, but it's not so easy to find it. Well, and also I want to point out, it's not just two days that, you know, these stocks have underperformed. They've performed well on an absolute basis, but it's really been two and a half months now that the market has broadened its rally. That's a huge positive. And this is what you're saying, Kerry, with do your work and find stocks outside of the Magnificent Seven. Find stocks outside of information technology and communication services. It isn't that hard to do. I mean, I'm I'm actually, Scott, I'm really happy that we're not having an economic discussion right now, and I'm not going to mess it up by having one. I'm just going to simply say the data continues (laughs) to to come in that supports a growing economy with slowing inflation. That is an environment in which you can look further afield. You can look in the cyclicals, materials, energy, industrials, and financials. I would argue, I mean, when you say it's not that hard to do, I would say, yeah, actually it is that hard to do. Well, which ones are you going to pick? Which, well, which ones are you going to pick? Well, in, in, let's pick a sector. Let's pick financials, shall we? I mean, that's that's one that certainly last well, year didn't have a lot of love. materials. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have time to go through all of them. Uh, let's go through financials. I mean, I think there's many easy things that we can say here, whether it's big money center banks that are trading at discounts to their historical multiples of book, or you can look at something, and I don't know if we want to talk about this later, but BlackRock, you know, that's something that this is an easy thesis to understand. If the market's going up, both stocks and bonds, which most of us predict for this, year. Well, their assets under management are going up and their fees are going up. So what I'm saying here is a synthesis of two things. Kerry just said, do your work, look further afield. I completely agree. But I also say in some cases, it isn't that hard. Look at JP Morgan, the creme de la creme. Didn't it set an all-time high just a couple of days ago? It isn't that hard. Well, I mean, if if you want to look at more economically sensitive names, you you could make the argument that it is a little harder to your point, right? It, you said it. So. You said it's going to be harder. I said it this year. I believe right? that. Yeah. Don't just you know look under the hood. You got to like take the engine out and 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 look under there, look yeah. under the car because it's just not that simple when you're worried about what the trajectory of the economy is going to be when the first cuts are going to happen. Sure. We, we don't know any of that. Exactly. You know, that, that's, that's all in the future, but when? So trying to pick a date, oh, I want to be in the interest rate sensitive stocks by March 15th because we're going to have a cut then. That's ridiculous. You want to tell that's me what kind cool of year Freeport's going to have today? 
No. You want to tell me what kind of year that caterpillar or deer are going to have well, today? Well, deer had a terrible year, so let's hope for the owners that it has a better year and cats at an all-time high, right? You want to so. tell me what kind of year autos are going to have this I, year? I now understand you know your I mean? question. Yeah. I now understand your question, so let me rephrase this. Relative, and this is what Carrie was saying, relative to the Magnificent Seven and the Triple Qs last year, which was the easy button, just push the easy button. Yes, Scott, you're absolutely right. This requires all of us doing the homework that we love to do. Opening up the hood, taking apart the engines, what we love to do, frankly. But when you do that, and I do that all the time, I do come out and I say, to answer your question directly, dear, yeah, cat, this seems pretty easy, particularly as the cost of capital is coming down. Uh, that, you know, stocks like this that generally have more leverage balance sheets should find that a, a less of a headwind at the same time. And this is very important that the economy continues to grow. So there's demand for excavators. There's demand for financing. There's demand for copper. You mentioned Freeport. There's demand for copper. That's the thesis. I feel actually a lot better about that thesis than I have at any point over the last 12 but see, months. Just because there's demand for certain things, cars, etc., doesn't mean that stocks necessarily related to those businesses are going to do especially well. That leads me to Christina Partsinevelos, uh, because our chart of the day is Mobileye. Uh, those shares are tanking after a revenue warning. We're seeing a number of auto sector chip players getting crushed today. What's your read here? Well, it's not just any revenue warning. The autonomous driving systems company expects a 50% drop in revenue for the first quarter of this year because of excess or excessive customer inventory issues. So that means buying less as they work through their inventory. Keep in mind as well, 30% of Mobileye's business is exposed to China. Mobileye is having its worst day, Scott, like you pointed out, since going public in October 2022. It's actually the fifth straight day of losses. You can see shares down, what, 25%? And like you pointed to, the dire warning slightly impacting companies like Intel, since Intel actually bought the firm back in 2017, is still its majority shareholder. Uh, Intel was down much uh, worse this morning. It's coming off, but down half a percent right now. It's in quiet period, so they wouldn't comment on this. The news, though, weighing on auto semis like STM and XPI on semi. Uh, ADI as well, which really just leaves about three names positive in the SMH uh, ETF right now. And this is the first negative pre-announcement from a chip company in 2024. I know what, we're day four in January. It could be isolated to Mobileye or it could set a negative precedence for auto-exposed names like OnSemi and XPI, especially as they meet with investors at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas next week. So there could be a lot more news coming. Separately, Scott, Qualcomm announcing updated chips for its augmented and virtual reality devices that offer faster processing from dozens of cameras. And they claim it could even be better for motion sickness because that was a complaint in the past. But Google and Samsung both plan to use this new chip in their uh, VR headsets. And competition could definitely be ramping up when Apple, Apple launches its Vision Pro headset uh, this upcoming February. Jimmy, I mean, you've got NXP, um, yeah. so I know you're watching this closely, and Mobilize having an impact on a lot of names, as Christina says. It, it is. You don't have me on to prevaricate, and I won't disappoint. Um, I wow, think this is, love that word. <laughs> eh, I've thought about it. Um, this, <laughs> I think, is a Mobileye situation. I don't think this is an industry situation, and it's very reminiscent of a quarter ago. I think it was a quarter ago. On Semi, remember this? They had a very disappointing guidance. Took the whole sector down, but it turned out it was just On Semi's problem. Um, Mobileye, it could well be that Mobileye is as uh, 
Christina said, uh, selling heavily into China. Um, but look, if the, the basic simple truth here is we've been producing autos. There's demand for autos. We got auto sales yesterday. They were very good. There's also a production pickup in autos to, to catch up with what happened during the strike. Now, this all plays to the auto semiconductor's uh, strength. So, you know, NXP was off almost about 6% earlier today. It's, it's scrambled back a little bit. Um, I do think this is a Mobileye-specific uh, situation. Could be wrong. We'll see. But there's my stake in the ground. You know, Christine, I'm looking at some calls today as well. Um, you know, KeyBank makes one. Uh, they're looking for continued appreciation. That's the title of their note. <coughs> Excuse me. They raised the price target of AMD to 170 from 140. You've got a Piper Sandler note today. Top pick remains NVIDIA. They like on as well. Yeah, for, uh, for AMD, a lot of that is driving uh, with its new um, AI chip that's going to be a competition to NVIDIA. So you're seeing a lot of positive uh, reinforcement coming from there. The AI narrative is still important for 2024. Also why you're seeing a lot of bullish commentary around Micron, because it provides the memory for a lot of these AI systems. Piper also uh, pointing out a Micron today in their note as well. Uh, but Jim, just to your point, I know I feel like you're maybe a little bit more biased because you're talking about on and you own it. It did trade down about 22% after. After its miss on uh, October 30th. NXPI also guided below for uh, Q1 as well. So it might be isolated to Mobileye, but there has been some concern that auto, was specifically auto within the chip world, it was the last chip to fall, no pun intended. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe this is that contraction that we were looking for, especially when you look at EV demand. I, uh, just, Christina, just so you know, I don't own on. Oh, no no okay. big deal there. That's okay. Apologies. Um, I well, gotta you go own NXP. I do NXP, own NXP. Sorry. I got to go back to own my notes NXP. because you said they guided down for the first quarter. And I, if, now I'm doing this from memory, but I thought their last earnings report was pretty good on the guidance. I hate to disagree with you without the yeah, facts no, I right have in my your hand. NXP, I guided uh, Q1 below already, but I can double check that. So it's just in my notes. Okay, I'll double check as well. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just. No, I, I could I, be wrong. Very easily. Just emotionally remember it as a pretty good quarter. Of course, because you hold that name and not on semi. <laughs> you should have quit while you were ahead when you said he's biased. <laughs> yeah, just That's period. End there. Dead silence after that, right? <laughs> Mic drop. Uh, Christina, thanks as always. Here's Christina Parts and Nevelos. Um, Josh, give me something, though, on this AMD uh, from KeyBank. Uh, Target raised to 170 from 140. It's a, it's a new buy for you, or, or relatively new. Look, AMD is going to play a very critical role in AI. We all know that. That's obviously priced into the stock. Uh, Lisa Su has made substantial strides. You think about it, it's only really last January when Microsoft announced its $10 billion uh, investment into OpenAI. That was like when the the race began, officially began, right? Um, So it's only really been a year, it's not even a year since that announcement. And in that time, I think AMD has very uh, forcefully thrown its hat into the ring you see her speak. She's saying all the right things. The new chips uh, are, are very impressive. They're working on training. They're working on inferencing. They're announcing customer wins and design improvements. And they've got certain things that are actually working faster than some of the prevailing technology from NVIDIA. She's wearing leather jackets. She's doing everything that you could <laughs> want a CEO to do. Uh, and, and quite frankly, they're never going to have market share in comparison with NVIDIA, at least not, I don't think, in the next five or 10 years. Um, But that's not what's important. What's important is they're going to grow regardless because the whole pie is growing so rapidly and they're going to be there where where it matters. So I'm I'm sticking with it. I don't have a lot of the stock. 
candidly, I didn't buy enough and it took off really quickly. I'm accustomed to buying things and they drop 10% immediately. So that's what <laughs> happened there. But I, I will not part with what small amount of AMD I'm currently long. I got you. Just to clean up as well, the, the end of our, our last conversation from Christina. Yes. Um, on NXPI, their guidance, they do expect next quarter's revenue to be around $3.4 which was slightly below analyst okay. expectations. I, I apologize to Christina. I didn't mean to like call her out on that. My, my own interpretation, just for the record, is that NXPI uh, is very underappreciated. Stock went way down after that, and the stock is underappreciating just how many drivers this company has. It's not just automotive. There's a lot of Internet of Things. Um, but basically, auto production is picking up outside of Mobileye. Mobileye, this announcement is out of keeping with every other indication from automotive. All right. No harm, no foul. It was a good conversation. We just yep. wanted to clean Thank that you. up there Thank at you. the end. All right, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we got many more stocks on the move today. We're going to hit analyst calls on PayPal, Amex, Home Depot. Got ownership in all of them, which means we're going to trade all of them. We'll do it next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, let's do some of these calls uh, of the day. PayPal, for you, Carrie, downgraded to perform from outperform at Oppenheimer. Profits under pressure could take years for profitability to stabilize. As the company cuts expenses, it could fall behind peers in innovation. What do you think? Right. I, I think that's an interesting call. As I've said before, this is the quarter where we're making a decision about PayPal. It's a stock that we've owned for years. Uh, it ran way up. It's come way down. It's a case of whether it's losing market share and they have pricing power or not. And this is something we're doing a lot of channel checks about currently. We've looked at what happened over the Christmas season. Mm -hmm. Um, Apple Pay is an enormous competitor in their way, and uh, you know I, I think this is reasonable for people to start to think about this and make some decisions. So you know I, I understand we haven't done anything, but that doesn't mean we won't. Josh, do you, any advice on what Carrie might think about doing? What do, what do you think about this call? Because it's a stock, and I think a new one for you too. Look, I don't have a I don't have a huge stake here. But I do think that a lot, of pessimism, uh, a lot of pessimism has already been priced in. It would really be hard for somebody to come to the story and say, oh, but what about blank? Because, again, they've lost, like, I don't know, $300 billion worth of market cap since the peak in 2021. So you can't really say that there are, like, more shoes to drop. What you can say is that it's going to be really challenging for them to ever grow at the rate that they used to grow. I would stipulate that, but I would say it's a 17 multiple. It's a new CEO has, who has been highly successful in M&A elsewhere. 
who could be contemplating a strategic transaction that none of us are, and you're not really taking a huge risk on multiple to bet that something might go right. I could be wrong, I could change my mind, a quarter or two could go by where there's no progress and I just get bored of the story, but right now in the high 50s, I feel like uh, the risk is to the upside, like there might be something unexpected that could occur, and if it doesn't, you know, well, I'll change my tune. But that's how okay. I feel today. Let me come back to you, Kerry, for AXP, because there's yeah. two positive calls on it today. Upped at JPM and top pick over at Goldman. Price target at Goldman's 215. That's about 15% upside yeah. from here, which is the stock you own. Yeah, I, I think this is a relatively easy call in that the stock sells for a very low multiple. And if consumers keep spending and traveling, then that's good for American Express. The consumer uh, product is is growing in terms of young people signing up for platinum cards. And it, it's really, I think, showing traction today with millennials and Gen Z's. And, you know, we think that there's a long runway for for American Express, more than 15% from this point. AI play in some respects? Yeah, sure. I mean, they, they, they understand a lot about what you purchase. Uh, they can give you information about what you've spent uh, before, what you might be likely to spend on. I, I think it's a fantastic service that they offer uh, with the card. And you know, I bet most people who come on this show use their American Express card and, and think highly of it. You let us know how that black card is. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you roll, Carrie Firestone. Uh, Depot, top pick at Wells. Target goes to 385 from 340 overweight. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think that's a good call. I mean, this has not been a good stock recently. And, of course, it went down because interest rates were going up, and that affected the housing market, mortgage market. If there's any chance that interest rates come down, it's, it's a positive for Depot. It's one of the best retailers in the world. So, you know, we think that it could see a good year this year, and particularly if rates fall. All right, let's get the headlines now with uh, Courtney Reagan. Hey, Court. Hi there, Scott. The Justice Department has sued the state of Texas for its immigration policies on illegal migrants. The lawsuit alleges the Texas law governor, uh, Greg Abbott, signed into law last month is unconstitutional because it violates the Supremacy Clause, which establishes that federal law supersedes state law in most cases. Members of President Biden's national security team met on Wednesday to review options for possible military responses against the Houthi rebels. That's according to two officials from the Biden administration. This comes as the White House faces growing calls for a stronger military response against the Houthi rebels for the repeated attacks on shipping in the Red Sea. Some of the possible options reportedly include strikes against rebel targets in Yemen. And ESPN will become the exclusive broadcaster for 40 NCAA championships, including the women's division. Division one basketball tournament in a deal announced today. The $920 million deal between the NCAA and ESPN is for eight years with 21 women's and 19 men's sports, including tennis, track and field, and men's and women's D2 and D3 basketball. Scott, back over to you. All right, Court, appreciate that. Courtney Reagan coming up. Big news and big moves for Eli Lilly. Shares trading at an all-time high today. The company going direct to consumer for its weight loss drug. We're going to trade that as well coming up next. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills.
All right, welcome back. Big news on Eli Lilly today as that company announces Lilly Direct, where it will sell certain drugs, including its blockbuster obesity drug direct to consumer. The stock hitting an all-time high today. This is your space, yeah. right? You, um, you think this is really, really big news. I do. I think it's a game changer. It's just amazing. It's a brand new drug. This isn't a drug that's been on for 10 years. We're talking about Zapbon. That's the obesity, obesity drug that was just approved. And these drugs are going to be among the biggest ever in the world. And they decided that rather than go through the pharmacy benefit managers, they would sell it directly to consumers who have a prescription. You have to have a prescription, don't forget, for 550 a month rather than 1100 which is what insurers are paying. Mm-hmm. I think that Lilly believes the price is going to go down further. And if you have 10% of the population, 20% of the population on these drugs, you can make $50 billion, $70 billion across the world on them. And why not control it yourself? That's what they're doing. They're controlling it themselves. And I think that's a brilliant move. All right. Next question. Follow up. Why aren't you buying it today? Well, this just happened, right? It just happened. So, it happened earlier. Stock, but the stock has been a huge stock, right? It's been a huge stock, yeah. and it got to do, you know, gotta look at the, the case numbers. So that this could be, you know, just the beginning. Yeah, but there are several in line who also have drugs that are going to compete with them. Novo Nordisk, of course, is number one. They've been capacity constrained. That could start to change. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a more complicated story, but they're the first to do this, and it's a very clever move. Not going to buy it at this price. I acknowledge fabulous company, fabulous product. Um, I was listening to what you're saying. We were talking at the commercial break. I'm not sure that this actually changes the profitability. They're cutting out the middleman, right? The pharmacy benefits manager. That's fine. So the pharmacy benefits managers don't get a cut of it. They actually don't want to get a cut of it. I'm not sure they're making that much money on these on these uh, diet drugs. Um, all that said, there's competition cropping up. I'm not taking anything away from Eli Lilly. What I am saying is, at 50 times forward earnings, it is priced for perfection, and things can go wrong when things are priced for perfection. Which one That's do you right. like better than this? Well, we're also talking during the break, Vertex. Now, this is not a diet drug. I don't have exposure in diet drugs. However, Vertex, uh, cystic fibrosis, is its core business, and it's expanding uh, into sickle cell anemia. And pain is the real killer uh, drug that's coming up because they've got a drug that looks like it has the effects of the opioids opioids without the addictive property. That's going to be a blockbuster. All right. Uh, Josh, you have a take on this, this space? Look, I, 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 think it's, I think it's an area where you really can uh, look and say, there's not a lot of challenge here valuation-wise. The real question is just going to be, is this the year that they deliver? Is this the year that you find the stories where the fundamentals are getting better faster than the market expects? That's typically the way that I've approached these names. Uh, but I, I really don't uh, have any particular horse in the race at this point in time. It's just not something that I'm personally very focused on. Shan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw last year, Scott, I mean, therapeutics just generally didn't do all that well, and healthcare certainly didn't do well. I think the risk here is that there's, you know, expectations that this hurts the prospects for other um, healthcare companies, particularly those that treat diabetes um, and heart disease. I think the other side of this, though, is that over a long-term perspective, this really should help the payers, if you think about managed care, um, because, you know, this could be one of those trends that lowers medical loss ratios over time, whereas right now we're really seeing those escalated and weigh on some of the prospects for managed care in this nearer-term period. All right. We're watching shares of McDonald's, too, before we take a quick break. want to bring an update here. Kate Rogers is going to do that for us. Kate, what do we see here? 
Hey there, Scott. Yes, we do want to call uh, your attention to shares of McDonald's. They had taken a move lower. They seem to rebound uh, somewhat here. The company CEO, Chris Kempchinski, posting a New Year update uh, in, on LinkedIn, rather, mentioning the war in the Middle East was having a meaningful impact on business. He wrote in part, I also recognize that several markets in the Middle East and some outside the region are experiencing a meaningful business impact due to the war and associated misinformation that is affecting brands like McDonald's. This is disheartening and ill-founded in every country where we operate, including in Muslim countries. McDonald's is proudly represented by local owner operators who work tirelessly to serve and support their communities while employing thousands of their fellow citizens. That local community connection is the genius of the McDonald's system. As mentioned, uh, shares were down around 1%. Uh, now they're lower by a little less than 1%, Scott. I'm sure much more to come uh, when the company reports earnings in just a yep. few weeks. Uh, Back I over appreciate to you. that. Kate, thank you. Uh, a note being passed around on trading desks uh, for certain, and we're watching those shares. That's Kate Rogers. Straight ahead, top contrarian ideas for 2024. We're going to continue asking our committee members for their outside the box ideas, the next big opportunities this year. We debate it next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. And as you know, we've been asking our committee members for their best contrarian plays for this new year. We continue that today. Josh Brown, yours is what? Uh, let's do K-Web. So basically, since inception, this thing has had a hell of a round trip. And it's no secret, the entire Chinese stock market is down 60% over the past two years. You cannot find somebody who will tell you they believe Chinese stocks are investable. And that is, if you're talking about like a big contrarian swing, this is probably the biggest contrarian swing that you could take. The top 10 holdings in KWeb, which is the Crane Shares Chinese Internet ETF, Baba, Tencent, PDD, Meituan, NetEase, JD, you know the names, Baidu, uh, Trip.com. They're in all different sectors of the Chinese economy. There are multiple problems here with China. We're all familiar with government crackdowns against large tech platforms. We're all familiar with some of the issues they've had reopening from COVID. We all know that there's an icy relationship between China and the West. So if you think that this can never get better, then the huge discount that these names are selling for is a valid discount and should remain in place. However, if you think that things are so bad that there probably is room for improvement on the sentiment front, these stocks are too cheap to ignore and that valuation gap should close. KWeb is 72% below its all-time highs. It's had massive rallies over the last 10 years. It could again. I don't know what the catalyst would be. I'm not positioning myself as a geopolitical expert on U.S.-China relations. I'm just telling you, you want contrarian, this is contrarian. Okay, Shan, you want people to bet on commodities. That's your contrarian play. Why? <laughs> Well, it's so interesting. Normally, I would come on here and we'd be talking about expectations for a booming economy or meaningful supply shocks or both if you're talking about commodities. But we actually look at this in terms of a hedge potentially for 2024, a hedge against some pockets of surprise inflation, a hedge against some of those geopolitical concerns that Josh just mentioned. And frankly, a hedge against stronger Chinese growth. And so it's really interesting because 
I view this, if you look at last year, Scott, you look at all of the selling of Chinese equities. A lot of the emerging markets flows went into anything that was ex-China on the EM side. And so rather than having to take that explicit exposure in Chinese stocks, we view commodities as a potential hedge. The flip side of this is we could actually see some improvement in manufacturing here in the U.S. We're still technically in recessionary territory on the PMI. So either way, on the flip side of this, industrial metals, precious metals, energy, perhaps not as much on the ag side, but there are, we, we do think there's some opportunities here as a hedge. Okay, good stuff. All right, Carrie, the third highest short interest stock in the S&P 500 mm-hmm. and one that Piper today I know. on a list said to avoid. Yeah. Is what? Well, I hadn't seen that. It's CarMax. And you? It's my name, yeah. Have a pretty big position, <laughs> well, and that's your contrarian play. Well, Why? Yeah. yeah, well, we said outside the box, and I guess it is. So here, here's the deal. You know, the used car market was terrible in the last year, and the stock was also pretty bad and very bad in 2022. But we read, in fact, today that the new car market is picking up. It was better in 2023 new car prices have come down. I mean, we watched all those price cuts from Tesla, but that's true from other manufacturers as well. This is good for used cars because when people buy a new car, they sell their current car, and that goes into inventory to place like CarMax. So we think that the inventory numbers will pick up, the number of cars they sell will pick up. Interest rates coming down mean that buyers don't have to spend as much on financing costs. This is a company that earned $7 a share a couple of years ago. This year, the number is about three. 50. We think they can get back to 650 or 7 in the next couple of years. So this is a stock we think is, you know, an unusual pick, lots of short interest, but you know, it short squeezes do one thing. They can push up the price of stocks too. Okay. Lastly, Jimmy, your big bet or one that you think people should take a contrarian play on is what? Utilities. Now, think about exciting. this. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Whoa. exactly the Yay. point. It's not, not exciting, right? I do think, and I know it's tried at the beginning of the year to say something like it's going to be a volatile year, but we all know the things that are facing the market, elections, military conflicts, lagged effects of the Fed. I think this is going to be a barn burner of a year in the markets in terms of volatility, and I think there will be points in time where utilities are regarded as a safe play. I don't think, and by the way, they did terribly. We know that last year. Well, yields were up. No, I mean, yields, you're, this plays into your stock story from uh, inflation coming down. Exactly. It it does. And yields coming down as well. Um, But, you know, you also you don't have to do this in such a boring way. You don't have to go out and buy Con Ed. Uh, You can do this by if you want to take a flyer on something like Next Era Energy or the utility I own, Pacific Gas and Electric out in California, is coming back from those bankruptcies a few years ago. Very exciting CEO there who gets things done. Uh, That's that's one I like. And it's more than just utilities. There's a story there. All right. When we come back, we're going to give you two big winners. Two big losers once again, and we're going to trade them. We'll do it next. All right, two of the day's biggest winners, two of the day's biggest losers. We're going to trade them. There's Peloton. Up near 9%. We got Allstate on the list, too. We just want to call your attention to that stock, which is a mover out of the insurance space. Now, you have not owned Peloton for a long, long time. In years. But, but I did, did a class yesterday. But you did. Yes, I did. Would you ever buy it back? Yes. One of the problems with buying Peloton right now, it is such a small cap stock 
that it's really hard to buy a position without moving it. Uh, uh, but let's make believe we're talking about buying a small number of shares. Yes, I think it's two billion dollar yeah. market cap. Yeah. Okay. But it, yes, I, I think it's. I, I, I think that it's reasonably attractive. There are there are options. You're buying a call option on something happening to this company, an acquisition, some catalyst that moves it. Yes, it it can happen. Okay. Uh, losers today, Walgreens, down six and a half percent. They cut the dividend nearly in half. Apache APA Corp is on that list too. You own CVS. You own CVS. Right. Yeah. I mean, a key distinction here is that CVS is more than just the retail store. In fact, the retail store is, is a very small part of their business. Walgreens, that's much more. It's almost all of their business. CVS has insurance. They're getting into the home health care with the acquisitions they made last year. Uh, they're attractively priced. And you know, the big thing with Walgreens today, they cut the dividend. That's kind of, that's really, really bad. I don't see that happening at CVS. Very attractive multiple at CVS. I like it a lot. Yeah, a view on Apache while, while we're at it. As I said, they... Um they announced a deal today to buy Callan Petroleum. Yeah, well, I mean, we know that energy has had a terrible 12 months, right? I mean, that's understating it. Uh, the demand is still there. You know, Josh was talking about K-Web as a contrarian play, and I was thinking to myself at the same time, you know, if China comes back as an economic force, there's going to be a pickup in oil demand and fossil fuel demand. Nobody's calling for that right now. You get a nice 10% rise in fossil fuel prices, it's going to propel the whole sector, probably Apache, with it. Okay. Shan, what about you for energy? Give us your thought here as we have a new year underway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're still looking at, you know, a, an undersupply in, you know, particularly in oil this year, Scott. And I think one of the challenges is, is that we've been hindered by expectations of weaker economic growth. And although economic growth expectations have improved, now there's this overhang that there could be this additional supply unleashed by OPEC plus that could keep prices range bound. Um, I think it really just comes down to if you're looking at energy stocks, you know, just think about the improved capital discipline for these names, but also, you know, be mindful that there's going to continue to be M&A activity here. And so we're going to see some movements on data on the day to day basis based on some of those deals, just just as we're seeing today. All right, we'll step away for a couple of minutes. We'll come back. and We'll do final trades next. Closing bell today. Hope you'll join me. Adam Parker will be here. Jeff DeGraff and Amy Kong. She has Apple and Microsoft as two of her top holdings. So a great time to get her views on mega cap tech and the markets. Also, you have uh, an article on CNBC Pro. Tell us yeah. what uh, what we should check out. Yeah, um, thanks, Scott. It's about what sectors in the market might pick up healthcare, financials, and industrials if the tech trade doesn't keep working. All right, CNBC.com slash pro is where you can find it. Shannon, final trade from you, please. Uh, small caps, not only do you get capitalization diversification, but it's a very different sector mix than what you see in the S&P 500. All right, Josh Brown. I'm not in this trade, but Netflix held its 50-day beautifully on the tech pullback. I think she wants over 100, uh, 500 this year. Very interesting. You thinking about getting into that trade? We'll see, Judge. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like yes. Okay. 
Farmer Jim? Qualcomm. A lot of AI applications on the phone are going to have to be done on the phone, and that plays to Qualcomm's chips. All right, Carrie Firestone. Waste connection. It's not a cyclical business. <laughs> All right, thank you. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 